Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Welcome listeners. If you remember, my goal with this podcast is to provide useful information about your employment matters. Information that enables you to make informed decisions about your work life. So by now you realize that the current employment landscape is more than a notion. To succeed in this highly competitive environment, you perhaps will need to step outside your comfort zone. You'll have to perhaps make yourself a little uncomfortable or even more than a little uncomfortable. So if you're shy, if you're hesitant to speak up, you will need to get over your shyness and talk to whoever you come across. Keeping safety in mind. You know, you grew up, don't talk to strangers. You're adults now. You can talk to strangers, but be wary. But you're going to have to speak to people you may not know. And you need to tell those people and anyone who will listen to you that you're looking for a job, but how you do it is critical. Now, I simply love it when I connect with people in this new virtual world that we're living in. And when I know immediately that I want to interview them for my podcast, my eyes get a glint because I know that hearing from them will benefit someone who hears this interview. Lou Alexander, my guest today, brought a glint to my eyes. He is a former NFL athlete and a Syracuse University graduate with a degree in communications and rhetorical studies. Now, I don't know what rhetorical studies means, but I'm going to ask him so the listeners and I can become enlightened. As an experienced sales leader with a demonstrated history of working in the software as a service industry, Lou demonstrates daily his ability to cultivate and develop sales reps. He equips sales teams with the tools they need to help them achieve success. Just a few areas that Lou is proficient in includes, let me list them, leadership development, formal sales training, management training, public speaking, coaching, 
mentoring, and inspiring. Welcome, Lou, and thank you for joining me today. Beverly, thank you for having me. Wow. Hearing that on paper or hearing that as an introduction makes me uh, feel a little bit more accomplished than I thought I was. So thank you for highlighting those. (laughs) Oh, no. You've got skills, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thanks for having me. Now, we were introduced virtually when you were the presenter on a Zoom meeting. The meeting was hosted by a mutual friend, Linda Dooley, for members of her Dooley Leadership Experience, which is an organization that develops rising leaders. Mm-hmm. Now, Luke, please share your story, the story that you told on that Zoom meeting. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll definitely want to enlighten. And again, thank you for having me. It's funny because when I had the call and Linda Dulek from the DLE experience, she reached out to me and she asked, Hey, Lou, can you just be authentic with our listeners? Can you just tell our listeners exactly what you've experienced? What's been your peaks? What's been your valleys? What's been your triumphs on all the things that you went through in pursuit of your professional career? And I replied back to her, my story is all but authentic. And I wish that I had the shiny, things that went on in my life that I can sit here and say that my story was always perfect, but it wasn't. And the story that I've experienced with her, and I'll take a little bit of step back. So my name is again, Lou Alexander, and I grew up in the inner cities of Linwood, California. So Linwood, California is literally a sister city of Compton, California. So we share literally next door neighbors to Compton. The only thing that splits us is one street and that's Long Beach Boulevard. And you know, growing up, I'm one of 10. So I'm one of 10 kids and I literally had to fight all my life because I've always wanted to be the best, even as the little, as the uh, youngest. And as the youngest, you know, you've always have to prove yourself. And I think my persistence in, in my hard work came from my older brothers and sisters telling me that I, I needed to be the best and I, I had to be the best. But it was also coming from a standpoint of I had a chip on my shoulder because I was the youngest. But if we fast forward a couple of years and as I start to get into my football career and different things of that nature, I started to play football around the age of 15. I was overweight my entire life. Childhood obesity was actually a big impact in my life. So when I actually, you know, transitioned into football, I found a sense of purpose. I found a sense of, you know, something that's going to drive me to take, you know, health and wellness the, the right way, but also to keep me disciplined in the inner cities and make sure that my mom wasn't you know, worried at night about what her child is actually doing out in the streets or, you know, all these different things. So this is what I wanted to pursue. And I was blessed and fortunate enough to be a really, really good athlete in high school. And I transitioned over and I went to prep school for a year. After prep school, proving myself because I was 17 when I graduated high school. After prep school, I actually ended up getting a full ride scholarship to play at Syracuse University. I was a three-year starter at Syracuse University where, again, I've met a lot of great people like Beverly, like you. I didn't meet you there, but I met great people that came around me that were willing to help me and help me share my story. I met Linda. You know, I met some really, really great people. And, you know, along, again, that journey of football, you know, after I was done, I was an undrafted free agent. And this is where it really started. This is where it really started to get interesting because I stepped into football, into the NFL, not knowing exactly what I was doing. I said on a previous interview, you know, I was literally a a boy amongst men because these guys took that. They took this. at It was professionalism at its finest. You know, they had a job. They had a family to support. And for me, I was a kid that was 22, 23 years old. That was just okay with just saying I'm in an NFL. And I didn't really take that serious. And so, you know, I, I hit rock bottom. I left the NFL. I got cut and I didn't have any money to my name. 
And, you know, I left the NFL and I was like, what is next for me? You know, I need to understand exactly what I'm going to do. So I was getting ready to get on a flight to Boston and I had $22 in my pocket and I had $10 in my wallet and I had $12 in my bank account. And my mom actually bought me a flight because I had a workout for the New England Patriots to go and try to make the team or just try to get on a team. But something pivotal happened during that plane ride once I got on that plane. So when I left LAX and I got on a plane, I was sitting in coach and uh, I saw this gentleman literally walk into the plane, nice tie, nice suit on, you know, nice watch. And I'm like, wow, whatever he does, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite interesting. So this is where curiosity really plays a role. Curiosity and courage. Let me label those two because it took curiosity and courage for me to not only identify and look at that man because I didn't know him from a can of paint, but to say, wow, if, if I get an opportunity to sit next to that guy, I'm going to ask him what he does. And this is where it could be pivotal for me because only thing I have to lose right now is just him saying no. I don't have anything else to lose. I have $22 in my name. What do I have to lose? I don't have anything. And when you're at the bottom, you sometimes dig deep and you try to find a way and pursue the faith and you just let faith guide you. And I'm a big believer in that. And so when the guy said next to me, you know, while we're on the plane and we're taking off, you know, I started to see him open his laptop and I saw that he was doing a presentation for maybe a board meeting or something. At the time, I didn't know it was all math to me. It looked like calculus to me and I didn't understand it. And so when I looked at his computer, I literally leaned over to him and I'm in the middle seat now. I'm six four. 340 pounds at the time. And I'm squishing him. So I know that literally I'm against him. And I asked him one simple question. And, and I want a lot of the listeners to hear this simple question because this simple question literally opened up so many other questions. And I submitted and I disregard my agenda, right? I dropped it. I submitted everything and I, and I swallowed my pride. And I literally asked him one question of, can you help me? And that one question, can you help me? was the transition in the moment that started my life as what it is today for me to tell you guys the story. And when I asked him, can you help me? He replied back to me, how can I help you? And by him replying back to me and saying, how can I help you? That literally, I like talking about it now gives me goosebumps because I remember how vulnerable I was at that point of time. And when I asked him, can you help me? And he replied back, how can I? I had a laundry list of things to tell him. <laughs> and I said, you can help me by A, B, and C. But the only one thing I wanted that was leaving that plane ride was a card. I wanted his card. I wanted his contact. And I just wanted the opportunity to have a conversation because I knew my grit and my determination and all the things that I had will literally be able to suffice and, and put him in a position of saying, this guy is someone that I want in my life because he's willing to get it by any means necessary. And so... When I asked him for his car, we left the plane. Two days later, after that plane ride, I got a chance to go down to his office, which was 17 miles away from my, my wife's current, my, my wife's current residence. She was my girlfriend at the time. We were living at her, at her mother's home. And it was 17 miles away from her house to his office, door to door. And so when I went to his office, we had a 45 hour conversation. It was authentic. It was pure. It was, it was just a real conversation. And when I asked him, you know, what does he do in the business that he and I end up figuring out that he's a big time tech investor and he's a guy that's been around tech for a long time and his leadership abilities were just, I mean, beyond. And this guy is still my mentor today. And after that conversation, 10 days later, I was working for him 
And I was a sales rep in tech and that's where I started my career. And I never knew that that was going to be my career trajectory. And now sitting here and talking to these, to you guys as a director of sales at the age of 30 years old, you know, it's complete faith. Um, it took that one time on the plane for me to ask him, can you help me? That literally transformed my life into what it is today. And I'm just proud to have this story and I'm proud that my, my pursuit and my grit and, and my courage, it was outweighing my pride. Well, the other thing though, and, and don't sell yourself short, you thought about what to ask. You said A, oh, B, and C. You knew the focus. Yes. You were at least mentally prepared and you were willing to work hard because even if you had made the connection, even if after making the connection, he hired you and you didn't perform at a high level, you wouldn't be where you are now. Don't sell yourself short. You're absolutely right. I did have an agenda, you know, and I had an agenda. And what I mean by that is I didn't know that I was going to have a conversation with a guy on a plane that I, I wasn't. No one could prepare for that again. Right. We talk about faith. Like I just stepped out on faith. But I think sometimes, too, we do have to kind of premeditate things that we want to ask if we're put in that position. And, you know, luckily, I studied, uh, you know, communication rhetorical studies in college. And, you know, what rhetorical studies is, I studied rhetoric. So I studied the ability to speak. I studied the ability to speak with emotion. I studied the ability to understand how to ask questions. And, you know, so that did come from my teachings in college. And I have to thank and I have to attribute a huge part of that to, you know, the professors at Syracuse University for really equipping me with some of that information. But what really made me curious, Beverly, and what really made me ask the questions and have that agenda is because growing up in the city, I've been asking questions all my life because my exposure has been limited. And with my exposure being limited, you have to ask questions about what else is it that's out there? And when I saw that guy on a plane, I put myself back in the inner cities of Linwood. And I went back to that little kid that was asking questions all his life about how do I get to the next level? How do I get to the NFL? And I put myself in that same position. And I asked him questions around, you know, well, can you please explain to me, what is it that you do? Okay, you work in technology. Do you work on the business side of technology or do you work the back end stuff of, you know, mechanics of technology? Are you the person that's actually doing all the technological things or, you know, what, it, what was it? And maybe some of those questions to him were dumb questions, but I didn't look at it that way because I was completely unaware of that world. And he knew that. And I was genuine about my questions and I was open and receptive to what he was going to teach me. And that's where we have to get as people is that we have to understand that we need to ask questions and be receptive of their teachings and not ask the questions in order to say, you know what, I know what you're saying already. Because you don't. We don't know that. And we don't know everything. So and that's I think that's where that transition was for me. You know what I say? I say, you know what you know, yep. but you don't know what you don't know. 100%. Don't know it. Yeah. And it sounds like double talk, but the higher up you go in an organization, whether it's a corporation or a charitable organization or a sorority or even family, mm -hmm. you know what you know. You know what you're being told. You know what you hear, but you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know why you don't know it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they mm -hmm. not know because it's above your pay grade. Yeah, uh, yeah, on, yeah. On a new 
to no basis. There are reasons for those phrases. It's 100%. 100%. And in the absence of having the information that allows you to make an informed decision, people assume. And I know the young people in my life, they come to me, but they come to me after they've already messed up. <laughs> right. You know, right. Right. What did, I do? what did you do? Or right. they'll or call me and they'll say, oh, well, Beverly, you're going to be so proud of me. I right. said, you tell me what you did and I'll be the judge of that. I'll 100%. let you know whether I'm proud of you. 100%. And they tell me I'm honest with them. Okay, you did fine, but the next time anything like this happens, here's what you do. And people, not just young people, people generally, yeah, they tend to do things and make decisions based on limited information. 100%. And that's why it's important to have a network and to your point, have a mentor. Yes. And you know what? You you just literally, literally hit the nail on the head because a lot of my generation is all about instant gratification, you know, and everything has to happen fast. And in the example that you just explained about, you know, you being the judge of saying if someone did the right thing or if he did it the best that he can or she did it the best that she can, you know, that is all subjective, right? Because I think sometimes we put ourselves in this box and thinking that we're the best at everything. And the thing is, we're not. And I think as millennials, especially with my generation, because everything is instantaneously, everything has a filter on it. Everything has to be this, you know, perfect picture. And when someone tells you that your picture is not perfect, now all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, wow, my teachings, I don't need to seek. I don't need to seek to be taught anymore. And see, I think one of the things that I, if I wanted to tell young people that are my age and people, like you said, in general is that it's okay to not do a great job the first time around because those are lessons, right? We don't look at those are as failures. We look at those as lessons. Those are lessons that we can take into the next career. Because I'll tell you this, when I first got into tech, I mean, I was terrible. I was completely terrible. I didn't know what I was doing in business. I didn't have the business acumen that I have now. I didn't understand the art of selling value over features and functionality. Um, I didn't understand exactly what it was I was doing. I was just relying on my pure instinct, but that doesn't always do the job. But I think what really helped me was when someone tapped me on my shoulder and said, Hey, Lou, you're doing this completely wrong. And when I looked at him and I said, okay, perfect. Can you teach me? I'm okay with being taught. And to this day, I'm a director of sales that managed 14 people to this day, but I have reps that's been in the industry long than, longer than me. And they may call me out on something and say, Hey, Lou, you know what? Hey, this is, this is completely not. I disagree with that. And I asked them why, and they got to validate why they disagree. And if they explain why they disagree, and it's actually something that is better, is a better solution than what I brought. Oh, 100%. I'm going to validate that. And I'm going to say, wow, you know what? I did not know that. It's okay to be vulnerable. And I think vulnerability is the biggest thing for us. And it's our Achilles heel that we sometimes, we just can't get over. And I think we just need to learn how to be vulnerable and learn how to be, you know, coachable um, in, in, in times of, of pursuing whatever we're trying to pursue. The way I phrase it is consider feedback a gift. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Negative feedback. One hundred percent. Accept it as you would a gift. You need to be grateful and thank you, even if you disagree. Mm-hmm. But you need to check to make to see whether there's some validity to what you've been told. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone doesn't accept feedback, mm-hmm. especially constructive feedback that may be critical or negative. You know, people like to hear you look for information, not affirmation. Exactly. You want to do better. You want to improve. You want to be the best you can be. And you won't be that if you keep getting, oh, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. Because we aren't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of it's perfect. We may be wonderful in some respects and, and need improvement in others. There's no doubt about that. 100%. So, you know, I like the tip that you gave listeners, but I understand why you spoke up because your circumstances demanded it. 100%. Yes. Yes. But you're shy because you must have had some, you must have supervised or coached or mentored shy people who have difficulty stepping up. What do you do then? Yeah, no, 100%. And you know what? That's a great question. And there's a, I was a shy kid. I was, you know, it's probably hard to tell now listening to me, but, um, (laughs) but I was a shy kid growing up and I wasn't always comfortable. You know, I go back to, not being comfortable with myself and, and suffering, you know, from childhood obesity and different things of that nature. And um, I was always shy because I thought I wasn't enough. So, you know, I was shy. And I think, you know, I've experienced that, you know, even stepping into college a little bit, I, I reverted back to some of those old ways. But if someone is shy, you know, they're trying to pursue and they are not just innately blessed with the gift of asking questions or it's just not a part of their personality trait. I always tell people, you have to put yourself in positions that make you uncomfortable. And I know that may sound, you know, hard or it may sound like it's not disingenuine, but it is something that is insensitive. You know, it's not insensitive to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. And, you know, with the shy person that's coming into, you know, their workforce or coming into, you know, who they are as a, as a, as a person and as an adult and as a professional is that we have to believe in our abilities, right? And I think a lot of times the people that are the most shyest and quiet, they hold the most information because they're never talking. And so they have to understand that their power is by them not saying a word, but when they open their mouth, they should feel confident because all they did is listen. So you've accumulated all this information year over year. And now it's time for you to just step out with courage and faith. And that's easier said than done. I'm not sitting here and saying that it's something that just happens overnight. But I also to ask you as well, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people that are shy as well? Are you surrounding yourself with people that are forcing you to come out of your comfort zone? Because that's what the pivotal moment was as well. I wasn't great in business or in tech until I started to surround myself around people that were really great in tech, right? If I would have went back to my neighborhood and surrounded myself with people that were in the neighborhood, now all of a sudden, I wouldn't have pursued or I wouldn't have been as educated as I am on on technology or be a leader as I am today. And that's the same thing with being shy. When you're shy, you got to surround yourself around people that push you to be more than just shy and they help you. Now, I get it, right? If it's uncomfortable, that's fine. You can voice that. But also it comes with that authenticity, right? You can also express that you're uncomfortable to put people when you're addressing a question. Hey, listen, I never address questions like this. And typically I'm typically a shy person, but you know what? I st- I'm stepping a little bit out on courage right now. And I just want to ask you a question. Those simple words can be life-changing for you because that's going to get you the talk. And you have to ask open-ended questions as a shy person so you can get the person to talk more than you talk. (laughs) And if you're a shy person, 
Ask the person a question that's going to get them to talk about themselves more than you talk about yourself. And then you just round it off with talking about yourself. But it's stepping out there on faith as we revert back to early on. You know, I think you're right. And and there's no doubt. One of the things that I suggest, I remember hearing a story about Mm -hmm. Beyonce and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and her alter ego, Sasha Fierce. And that's (laughs) that's what I tell young people when I'm talking to them. You know, adopt a Sasha Fierce persona and practice it in front of a mirror. Exactly. Exactly. Get it mirror and just practice being someone other than who you are. Now, it may sound schizophrenic, but I would submit to you, and I know from personal experience, as you move up in your chosen profession, whether it's plumber, whether it's airline pilot, whatever it is, you're going to find yourself feeling schizophrenic. You know, how you talk to your family is going to be different than how you talk to your boss. And how you talk to your boss's boss, it may even be more, even different, more different than how you speak to your boss. Mm -hmm. How you speak to someone who may be in a higher position in another environment is going to be different because that person may not know you and you may be trying to convey that you have the skills, the persona, and the mindset to do what it is they may want you to do. So we're all schizophrenic if we want to be <laughs> successful. We're going to have to learn how to manage that kind of schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with that more because practicing in the mirror is literally one skill set that I've always tell my sales professionals all the time, especially when you're doing person-to-person meetings. You know, if you are on a journey like you just mentioned, no matter what your profession is, you know, if you are meeting with someone in person, I always tell my salespeople, you know what? Hey, write down your agenda, write down your key, you know, topics that you want to talk about within your agenda and practice it in a mirror. Talk to, you know, your mirror and talk to yourself as you are talking to a client because you talking to yourself is actually more uncomfortable than talking to someone else. So, you know, like you said, it may sound a little schizophrenic, but I completely agree with you 100%. That's a really great tip and a really great skill set that you can have that could attribute to you actually asking a question or just stepping outside of that shell. So I agree 100%. Well, and let's be clear. It's not being fake or phony. No, it's not. No, no. We adapt. We are adaptable entities. We adapt to our environment. We adapt to situations. We adapt to other people. It doesn't mean that you're fake or phony. It means that you're flexible and that you are like a chameleon. You adapt to whatever the environment requires. And if you are not adaptable, you are likely not going to be successful. Right. And that's just the truth. Now, you know, growing up, whether, you know, people call you bougie or they call you, you know, something else, decide on who and what you want to be. Right. And what you want out of life. and. To your other point, who you surround yourself with, listeners, it's important. If there are people in your life who are haters, who are negative about the things that you're trying to accomplish, if they're family members, don't kick them to the curb. But as my grandmother used to say, feed them with a long-handled spoon. Right. You are on a path 
that will take you places that there's always going to be a place for people who are supportive and who care and love for you, love you. Yes. But one who's trying to pull you down, no matter what the relationship, you do what you do for them. You love them. You don't stop loving them. But you have to save yourself. 100%. You have to understand that you are going to be different when you step into another light. And I think sometime, like you just, like you just said, Beverly, like there's a lot of haters out there because they see you in pursuit of something. And again, everyone for me, and I'm just reverting back to myself because I know that I represent everyone else that are, that's in the inner city or everyone else out there that's trying to pursue and be a professional. So I represent them and I want to speak to that. And, you know, when you change and when you try to grow into something different, People are going to hate that. And you have to understand that and remove yourself. You know, when I went to the NFL, people hated that. And but, all, but I'll tell you this, that's all they thought I was going to be was a football player. And then when I stepped into business and I went into, you know, pursuing business, they were like, wow, he can do this too. Like, oh, but again, I, I identified who the people that were actually there for my longevity and, and for the betterment of me. I identified that and we have to be aware of that. And if you identify the people that are not there for the betterment of you, you have to remove yourself because I'll tell you this, they're going to pull you down and they're going to put more doubt in you than you put in yourself, right? So that's the number one key as well about that is if you are a shy person and you're already, you know, experiencing the, the, the inability of not asking questions or not being able to, you know, step in front of a room and speak. Well, you step around people that don't like what you're doing, you best believe that they're going to actually say, oh, you know what? You shouldn't be doing that. No, don't, don't do that because you know what? They're putting their fear and anxiety in you. So no, under, understand how to remove yourself from the haters. That's a good point, Beverly. I, I, I love it because I say it all the time. Like you have to remove yourself from the haters because again, haters will only be there to hate and you have to recognize that. For sure. General Colin Powell has, uh, I don't know where his quote came from, but it's in my first book, Get the Job Done. Mm. What he conveys is you have to identify who's going to be on the journey with you. Mm -hmm. And if you just evaluate it, and it's really a compelling quote. I can't quote it verbatim, but anyone who's listening, if you get my first book, Get the Job Done, General Powell is quoted there. You have decisions to make and you're going to have to manage relationships, especially if they're family relationships, mm-hmm. you'll have to manage those. But you're right. If anyone who's not in it with you for the betterment of you, you know, you have to you have to not cast them completely aside because with family, it's difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. But you do have to save yourself. You do. Now, it took a lot of hard work to achieve what you've achieved, Lou, what yes. you do differently. I, you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything different. For the longest time, Beverly, you know, I, ch- I was challenged with that. I was, I was challenged when people asked me that question, you know, because I think if you would ask me this question four years ago, five years ago, I probably would have had a different answer. And the reason being is because I wasn't mature and, and I wasn't mature in my mindset of, what I've actually pursued and and, and what I've actually accomplished because I just wasn't confident of that. And I think throughout my entire process and my journey, I've learned so many lessons and those lessons have 
paid huge dividends to where I am today. And I think sometime I go back to that point of instant gratification. If I would have had a long career, five years, 10 years in the NFL, and I would have made all this money and then came back into regular life, I probably would have been completely lost, to be honest with you. I would have been completely lost of what I wanted to do because my lifestyle was so different than what it is now. You know, throughout my journey, I was able to find a connection with my wife. You know, I, I was able to have a son, you know, and, and I'm able to look and, 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 and draw motivation from seeing him smile every morning. And, you know, those things I don't think would have probably, it, it would have happened, but it wouldn't have happened at the time when I most needed it. And I think everything in life happens at the time when you most need it. Sometimes you don't think that it's supposed to happen that way. And you're like, why is this happening to me? You know, and I'm a big believer in, in, in God and I'm a big believer in faith, you know, and, you know, you always question, you know, and you always try to say, well, why is this happening to me? But your gift comes to you when it's ready for you. And I, I wouldn't have been ready to receive my gift if it would have happened back then. Now, people can argue, well, gift was football. And that wasn't truly my gift. You know, football was just an outlet. Football was just a springboard into other great things. And I didn't want to prison myself in that box of being an athlete. So, you know, I am excited and I, and I, I, I feel very, very accomplished that it took a lot of hard work and perseverance. And let's not, let's, let's, let's be serious here. Like there's still a lot of hard work and perseverance that I am still pursuing because, and I still need to, you know, put into every day because I'm not done. I'm not finished. And my journey is, my, my journey to me is just now beginning. And, you know, yeah, I've accomplished a lot in these 30 years of life, but my journey to me is just now beginning. I haven't hit my peak yet. So to answer that question in just short terms, like, you know, I wouldn't change anything. I, I, I love exactly how everything played out and it's only making me better for the future. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to have more lessons the next 30 years that I'll be when I'm 60 and telling you, you know what? It played out exactly how it was supposed to play out. <laughs> well, what advice do you have for people who are listening, who are going to be competing for either a job or a promotion in this highly competitive employment environment? 100%. Uh, my biggest advice, and you know, and I'll, and I'll use a real world example of what I look for when anyone comes to me and say that they want a promotion or, you know, they should get a higher raise or I should hire them. I want to know you and I want to understand who you are first, but I also want to understand are you solution oriented? And what I mean by that is, can you find the answer without me? And that is a big, that's a big thing. And what I mean by that is, yes, you have to ask questions. But when I say, can you find the answer without me? That means, can you go and collaborate with other people within the department? Or can you go and try to seek the information and, and, and bring your own ideas and, and, and solutions to the table? And, you know, this market and this job market, obviously with COVID-19 and the pandemic happening, it's completely different. And it's very, very competitive because of the economic uncertainty. And I get that 100%. And I think that, you know, I'm very, very understanding of where we are in this current world, but there's still a ton of employers out there that are looking to hire. And I think what is going to separate you from the masses, right? Because anyone can say, I look good on paper and I have all these credentials. But the first person, the first thing I ask people and the first thing I say to people when I, when I'm looking to hire them is who are you 
beyond this piece of paper. This piece of paper is telling me your accolades and it's telling me everything that you succeed. But let me know about the process. And I think you got to be willing to share your process because your story is unique. And so when you get the chance to interview with somebody, you wear your story like a badge of honor. You wear that and you tell people that, listen, the reason I got everything here and I'm qualified is because I know that I have a different type of work ethic. And I understand that the solution I can bring to your organization is going to be completely different. And this is how I'm going to do it. You always have to show them how you're going to do it and be methodical and be and, and make sure you're thought provoking when you're talking to people. And don't forget about that. You know, make sure when you have a solution, you break down what your solution is and you break down the process in that, you know, always. And again, I, and I'm going to go back to tactics, right? Think about what you're going to do the first 30, 60, 90 days. When you step into a job, what are you going to do that first 30 days? And you break that down for your employer. The first 30 days, this is what I, I, I look at the job description. Say, this is what I'm going to do the first 30 days. The next 60 days, you say, okay, well, after the first 30 days, the next 60 days, this is where I should be due to the job description, no matter what it is. If it's a business guy in tech and you want to say you want to get to a certain revenue dollar amount, or if you're someone that is a librarian and you say you want to be able to put away a, a million books in 60 days, you have to make sure that you are giving them step by steps. And then that last 90 days, you should be hitting on all cylinders. You should be able to tell them hey, the last 90 days, I'm going to be entrenched in your ecosystem as a company and I'm going to know how to run this business just as good as you know how to run the business. And, and that, they want that confidence and employers want that confidence. So that's that's what I can give as advice when you are going to pursue this time is number one, be different. Wear your story like a badge of honor. Number two, be solution oriented, but be methodical. Understand the job that you're actually trying to pursue. And then number three, Again, just have perseverance and courage and understand that you are going to step out beyond the masses and do a better job than anybody you're stepping in front of. You know, that's really such excellent advice. And it surprised me because that's what executives do at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have a 120 day plan. Yep. They're given 120 days either on paper or mentally. Mm hmm. And then they're evaluated after 120 days, mm -hmm. yep. formally or informally. Where are they after they've been there for a few months? Yep. How are they acclimated? Have they made an impact? Have What have they done to add value to the company? Yep. That was an ex You know, if more people did it that way, if they adopted, if more people adopted that approach, I think you're right. But the, the the thing is, you have to deliver. Yes. You can't overcommit and underdeliver. Yes. That is a death knell for your career. Yes. I think that's the number one thing, you know, because you can talk a good game, <laughs> but you got to be able to play the game. And that's the biggest thing. I've learned that even in sports, but especially in the job market, especially in, in the world of employment, is that if you talk a big game, your numbers truly will tell you if you are along the course of what you set aside to say that you are going to do. And right. you, you have to be able to follow that because like you just said, executives, they follow 120 days. I mean, I have criteria within my career and within my job as a director of sales of saying, hey, listen, Lou, when you first came in, we're promoting you to run this business, basically. 
The only one that's above you is the VP and the CEO. That's it. You are running this business. So we're relying on you and we're relying on your understanding of this business to get the job done. And we're going to evaluate you every three months. We need to understand if you are actually tracking along what you sold us initially. And that's always going to hold you accountable. And that's the a number one thing as well. Hold yourself accountable to the things that you said you're actually going to come in and do. Because you can say all you want, but what are the benchmarks that you're actually setting throughout that time period that's actually going to help you achieve those goals? Because if I got a 30-day plan and I have no benchmarks at day 15 of where I need to be from day from day one to day 15, that 30 that 30 day plan is going to fall flat. If I have a 60 day plan and I don't have where, where I'm going to be day 55 or, or, or day 65 and understand exactly where I'm supposed to be day 55, that's going to fall flat on this face. So you have to be able to set benchmarks on where you want to be because if you don't have nothing in reach and understanding what's in reach and you're just going after your goals blindly and you have a 30, 60, 90 day plan that's blind, you're never going to be able to achieve and get the full abundance out of that job situation or whatever that promotion is. So I think you always got to set yourself up for those benchmarks along the way, for sure. And it's good to get into a habit of having benchmarks because metrics or numbers matter. Oh, 100%. But it's also factors that are not numerical. Yes. Interpersonal relationships, how you're managing people, soft skills and hard skills. 100%. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time it's been great. I have so enjoyed it, but I knew I <laughs> I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it as well. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at B.A. Williams at YourEmploymentMatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.